Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPaul11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Patriots week, second to last uh, regular season pod uh, here on the TOJ pod of the 2023 season. Brad Spielberg, who's been joining us uh, every Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, basically, uh, throughout the season, is on uh, on one more time. Brad, how we uh, how we doing today? Great, doing great. Yeah, big, uh, you know, I, I hate when people think there are meaningless games in football for a million different reasons. You know, guys looking for contracts, guys trying to put good good film on tape, etc. But also, when you can play the New England Patriots and try to snap this damn streak. Uh, but I'm doing well. And the Bears also have the uh, the great spoiler matchup of, of the week, maybe. So I'm looking forward to it. I guess let's start right there. What do you, you're not a Jets fan, but you obviously know a lot of Jets fans. What should Jets fans hope for, I guess, from Sunday? Like, what's the ideal outcome? What's how should you root? Again, no offense. However you root doesn't mean shit. But uh, everyone still has to go in with a with a mentality. So how, how should fans, from your perspective, uh, go into Sunday? It's funny because I agree with you. And then I'm like, I got to wear my special sweatpants and sit on the, the right side of the couch. You know, otherwise, I'm going to throw the whole juju of the team off. Uh yeah, so I think the way, look, I'm an expert on on how to navigate these situations, as I'm sure a lot of Jets fans are too. Like, I don't know, the way I do it personally, we talk about it a little bit. Like, I really don't think there's that much of a difference between, I'm sure, I'm guessing their range is like 10 through 15 or, or whatever. Um, it doesn't really matter. So I do, I view it as I come in, I want to beat a rival. I have no other thoughts on my mind. And then if you lose, once the clock hits zero, then you're like, all right, well, you know what? We got a better draft pick out of it. So I'm not as mad. I'm not going to, you know, break any TVs or anything like that. Not that I would be doing that otherwise, but I honestly think that it's interesting. The last couple of games be more serious. Like at no point would I say the defense has quit per se, but the second half of Washington and the first half of Cleveland, I mean, it just wasn't as good as that defense is. Um, you know, I, I I picked the Jets plus seven and a half. I loved the spot against Cleveland. I said they had a better defense than the Browns. I didn't think that was on this show. I think it was on other shows. Um, and they just were kind of lackluster to start the game. They did actually, I think, have a good second half against Cleveland. Obviously, they scored a field goal the whole half, I want to say. But, yeah, like, I think it's something. If you... It's hard now to bring good juju and good vibes into 2024. I think there actually is a great opportunity. We end the streak against the Patriots. We end Bill Belichick's Patriots career with a loss. Like, I think that actually is something you can carry into 2024 for the guys that will be back. That actually does matter. Yeah, I think if they were cleaning house, I'd feel differently. Uh, They're not. So, and like, no offense. Like, yeah, I think if you root 
you can root as hard as you want for them to win on Sunday. And if they win, that's great. I think the only scenario in which it's not good for the Jets is they lose. Their pick doesn't change because the Chargers, Titans, and Giants all lose as well, which is very plausible. And, like, you lose 9-6. to six. Like, that's that's the one spot where you just go, dude, streaks alive and our pick's not better. Look, if, you, if you're telling me at halftime the Jets are down 10 nothing. Uh, or 10-3, and it's still a good game, and all of a sudden the Titans, Chargers, and Giants are all winning, man, maybe I'll have a different conversation. Now picking five means you definitely get one of the tackles or means you definitely get – you can maybe get Marvin Harrison. I don't know, but maybe three quarterbacks in a row go and two tackles go and the Jets – yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, there's a bunch of crazy scenarios in which I don't think that will happen. But, again, there's a bunch of crazy scenarios which could happen. If you pick 10th versus 8th, I feel like there's a more plausible – move you can trade up from 10 to 8 then trading up from 8 to 2 or whatever 8 to 3 whatever you might need to do so yeah i just look at it as go try to win and if the game spirals out of control maybe change you change your narrative but um going into next year with 16 in a row lost against the patriots and all these different things it's just it's disgusting and i, I don't know i like there's a good chance they could also just still pick an eight if they win. Like there's just a lot around them that could happen. So um, again, I, we talked about this before Cleveland, before Washington. Yeah. In hindsight, if they had lost to Washington, it's, this is a very different conversation. This is like, Oh dude, you might pick two. Like that's different. Um, now picking eight versus 10, I'm not sure is as crazy of a difference as it is picking, uh, you know, 12 versus three. Like that's not, that's not the difference we're talking about. And I'll say this, like, because I think we're on the same page, where we're basically talking like quarterback versus non-quarterback range. You're not going to do a massive trade up for a quarterback. Like, I think they could take one with Rodgers. You're not going to like mortgage future picks. He might even be pissed, honestly, if you use a first rounder on a quarterback. But look, if you're I, I, maybe I'm in the, on an island here, I don't think Jaden Daniels is going top five. Like everyone keeps talking about that. Maybe, maybe he does. Maybe I think I'm it's, wrong. I think I, it's Penix. I think Penix is the one that goes. Does some team watch him Monday night and go? Holy fuck, this is way more athletic, better arm to a in terms of injuries, talent around him in college. They're not the same player. Lefty, like there's a lot of aesthetic things there that are hard to get over. But do we go? Joe Burrow was 24, 25 when he came in. So we're, we're over that. And he had all the talent. And Tua was always injured, but we showed him if with the right scheme, you can keep him healthy. And look, he just torched Michigan and, and Texas. Texas is the worst secondary in the country. So again, it's a grain of salt. Uh, but then they go, then the Giants at five go, dude, Dable, a revamped offensive line, like is Penix our quarterback for the next 10 years? That's the one guy. I don't think Daniels is going top five. I keep seeing that, but I've also seen people say he's a second round process. I, I don't, he's the one confusing guy, and I don't think Bo Nix is going that high. I do think Penix could have this, like, if he just puts up the numbers he has. Does someone go that arm talent's too much to pass up? Like I, that's the one guy, right? I think that's the one person this this draft process is the medicals check out as well as they can. Like I don't know. I I think there was so obviously like the Texas secondary outside of like Jade Barron, who I think is a pretty good player, although he didn't play very well in that game, um, is not great. But he did show. I'm not going to do a full CJ Stroud versus Georgia comparison, but like some of the pocket manipulation and the elusivity. Because um, look, Tavondre Sweat and uh, what's his name are, are and Byron Murphy are like first round prospects, and, and they have a, a young underclassman on the edge who I love too, whose name is escaping me. But anyway, so like 
there was an element of he showed us things that maybe we saw early Indiana we haven't seen since. I don't know. You're right about age. I probably overvalue that. For me, though, it's like he's torn both ACLs and has chronic shoulder issues and almost retired. Maybe some team doesn't care. Maybe you're right. Um, but yeah, I, I don't. And, and anyway, the, the more important answer is really like I don't think the Jets are out of range for that third quarterback if that is the direction they want to go. I don't think like no matter where what happens this weekend, they might be uh, sitting there at 15 and, and be able to take the first non Williams May quarterback. I, I really do believe that. So um, anyway. Uh, yeah, you know, but, you know, a lot, a lot of interesting games this weekend. It all does matter. Um, the draft pick is what it is. And, and they're, frankly, you got gifted. The fact you have a first-round pick at all wasn't expected. It's a really good class. Like, it's it's already kind of gravy to a degree. Yeah, like, it's interesting. I was going to tweet this out before, but, again, I'm going to wait to tweet it because I'm sure people get upset about it. There's a real world. Like, the fact that we're having a conversation about top 10 draft pick, uh, missing the playoffs, all these different things. Like, it's just, like, a conversation I don't think anyone thought the Jets were going to have. Like, they thought maybe the Jets would go up in flames. But, um, you know, if you were a hater of the situation, but I thought you think you probably thought they were going to be, like, 8-9, and 9-8, and eight, miss the playoffs type of situation. Not, like, a 6-7 or seven win team that borderline was going to fire everybody. Rodgers misses the whole year, literally. And then uh, it's just an interesting conversation. Again, we'll tackle more of that stuff. Two kind of quick debates here, and or three three quick things. This will be a this will be a shorter episode with Brad. I'll have a full breakdown of the Patriots game um, matchup wise for those who who care tomorrow. Um, let's start ABT guard versus tackle. I think he should be the starting right tackle for a number of reasons. Trying to replace, they're gonna have to replace two spots at a minimum of the offensive line this offseason. Replacing both tackles is a huge ask. Um, Considering the free agent market, trade market, even where they're drafting, they might not get a top one of the top two guys. That's a huge part of it. And two, he's played at a really high level at right tackle. There are two freak injuries in the same spot, in the same place. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff there. Um, and three, I think it allows flexibility because you can add that right guard on day three of the draft, day two of the draft, like a lot of really good teams do. And I just think it's easier in free agency or the draft to go address guard or center, depending on where you want to play Titman, than having to go, let's get a left tackle and a right tackle and maybe a right guard. Like, I just feel like you're you're asking a lot. Am I crazy? I understand the injury concern, but I don't think he's gotten hurt from overreaching. Like that doesn't I don't I don't feel like that's a thing. I keep seeing that in my comments. I think the correct scenario is new left tackle, Lake and Tomlinson on a redone deal. New center, Joe Tipman, Elijah Vera Tucker. And yeah, you can, I guess you could flip, um, you know, center, right guard. But I do, I do the free agency stuff. I know like Connor Williams got hurt, for example, but there's like a half dozen centers that I think would be legitimate upgrades over Connor McGovern that I don't think would cost all that much money. I mean, they're, you know, you're going to pay more than you paid McGovern this year, obviously, but maybe less than you paid him on the first deal, uh, which was a decent free agent contract a couple years ago. So yeah. That's how I would play it. I, I like the guard class a little bit less. There are some really good players, but I think you're either paying Lake and Tomlinson money or then it's a drop off to like, are these guys better than Tomlinson and Titman? So that's how I would play it. I'm with you 110%. Um, and, and I think, yeah, like you said, it's just easier to address those spots. Also left tackle, like depending where the, obviously you want Alt or Fashanu, and I guess you're probably not going to fall late enough to maybe take a you know reach on some of the other guys, but 
I think there are a lot of legit prospects that I know you don't have a second round pick, but like that go in the second and third round on day two that are potentially like guys that could play in their first year. Like I like Patrick Paul at Houston a ton. Um, there's a couple other guys out there that I do like. Yeah. So you're you're gonna go Warren. I mean, not Carter Ward, sorry. He'd be your swing tackle. You'd go left tackle, draft pick, ideally left guard Tomlinson, Titman or draft pick or signing at center, Titman guard or Titman draft pick or signing at right guard, and then and then AVT tackle. I'm I'm with you there. Um the other question's receiver and how they address it. There, there's three avenues, obviously. Um, I think the most efficient, the ideal way is they just trade for Devontae Adams. And I know some people don't want Devontae because he's older. I know because they don't want to give up draft capital, all those things. The Jets have been very good at when they execute their plan A, they've hit on it most of the time. Plan B and C has been a huge issue with this regime, with this team in general. Um, obviously, we saw it this year. They had to go to plan B on a lot of stuff, and it, it didn't work. Not that everyone's you know, always uh, great with the backups or, you know, second, you know, options, et cetera. I just feel like Devontae, if you get him early in March, right? League year opens. There's just too much. The The leaks have been too much that they're, it's, they're not going to, um, that they're not going to go all in on Devontae. Like they have to, it's too much. That said, if they don't get him, because there's a very real chance the Raiders say F off, we're not trading him. Um, I guess you try to go to you pivot to Higgins. Connor Hughes tweeted out you pivot to Higgins, uh, Pittman, Evans. Higgins is the only guy I think gets to the open market, and if that point I know uh, you know Connor Rogers mentioned it like could it be a tag and trade situation? The free agent class like I just don't. How many guys really get there is a question, and then lastly is the draft. And if you draft the receiver in round one, which I'm very much in favor of, that means you likely have had added a left tackle already and. I don't know who you're adding at left tackle. Like you're not signing Tyron Smith. He's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? Like that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing. So that's where a receiver becomes a little bit tricky. You can't not get one of a, a top guy out of one of those three, but it's like, it's all, I don't know. I don't know what Devonte cost. I, I think he's probably cost a day two or day three pick this year and probably a one or a two next year, depending on how you structure it. I think you could try to just burn a 2025 first rounder on, on fire with that and hope, Hey, if we win the super bowl, like it's worth it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, where do you land on this? I feel like Higgins, like a Roma doozy, like all these guys like make so much sense size wise, scheme wise, cost of effect in this age, everything works. But like, I don't know. Mike Evans makes a lot of sense. I'm not saying he doesn't. In what world is he leaving Tampa? Like, I don't know. I just don't see it. So I don't, where are you at with this stuff? Their relationship is kind of interesting, uh, but yeah, I probably don't expect him to leave either. I, it, at a certain point, I get not wanting to mortgage the future. That's like what I do and what I talk about. But it's just like, and you shouldn't always be window chasing, but like that's what you signed up for. That's what you're doing. Like, yeah, so Devontae Adams wants out. And I would say, by the way, keep an eye on, uh, it was this morning at a quote, like if they fire Antonio, Antonio Pierce, Pierce, yeah, he's definitely. If gone. they fire Antonio Pierce, I think he asked for a trade the next, like five minutes later. Like I really do. So um, and they and they probably will. Like Mark Davis is obsessed with getting the big name, hot, flashy coach. They are the entire, and this is different because Rich Pisacci is like a sixty-year-old special teams coordinator. But the entire locker room was stood behind him. You had Max Crosby in the media multiple times, being like, "Everybody wants Rich Pisacci back. He's our guy. They don't care. They move on." So Pierce is different. He's twenty years younger and is like, you know, coaches the side of the ball, whatever. No, no disrespect to Rich Pisaccia, but um, who every player has ever played for him loves. But 
Yeah, if they fire him, I think Devontae legitimately walks in, in, in you know, Mark Davis' office and says, all right, cool, like, I'm going to be a New York Jet. No, you figure that out. I, I don't think you're giving up. If you argue about a first-round pick, it's by itself. And I frankly don't even think a first-round pick is guaranteed. I mean, this is a 32-year-old receiver on th- top money where the money get, improves and increases, you know, towards the back end of this deal. Like, I don't. I, I, I mean, unless the Raiders want to, like, say, hey, we'll trade you only if we get a godfather offer. We know the Jets are desperate type of situation. And so, that, honestly, then, yeah, the Jets should take a Romo Dunze in that range and, and still go after Devontae Adams because you need a receiver anyway for the future. And it gives you more leverage and more ability to say, yeah, now we have Garrett Wilson, a top 15 pick, and, you know, a guy that can block in Lazard, whatever. Like, we have a core now. Um, but, yeah, it, it, in a vacuum, would I say it's smart to trade early draft capital for a 32-year-old receiver? No. But in this situation, this context, you got to do it. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you. I also I saw some people asking about Odell. I know Odell's looked better. Um like, no doubt, he looks more like himself. He still gets hurt every week. Um, and not for nothing, like, I feel like everyone thinks his stat line's crazy, and I know stats don't tell the whole story. He's got, like, 35 catches for, like, 350 yards and three touchdowns. Like, after all that, on, like, an elite offense, with an elite offensive coordinator, elite quarterback, everything, like, he's still, like, putting up wide receiver four numbers. And he's making a shit ton of money. Um so, and I think he's going to go into the market and say, look, look, see, I'm back to myself. Like someone pay me two for 50. Like, I know no one's going to give it to him, but like, so him and D hop are both going to say, I got cut or it was a free agent. Like someone pay me. Um, I guess last two things here. I keep getting this question. We've talked about it a little bit before. Can you just break down the Lake and Tomlinson ramifications of a restructure? Um, I, now, I know he's got $4 million of, of a void year in 2024, or 2025, I believe, already. What would a restructure do to that? That's a big question on, on Jeff's Twitter. It's like restructure, cut, post-June 1, cut up. Like, what is what does this all kind of break down as? Real quick, want to jump in. Uh, a, I respect what Connor Hughes does. He's fantastic. B, he sunned me on the Aaron Rodgers thing. I was wrong. He was right. He's fantastic. If the Jets ask – if John Franklin Myers oh, yeah. gets asked – I, I was going to hit on this. Yeah, I, I commented and deleted it because I'm I'm over one against the legend Connor Hughes. But like, and maybe he does it. But if I'm his agent and I'm him, I'm laughing. The Jets. I tell the Jets anyway. to go. I tell the Jets to go fuck themselves. Correct. So would I. Uh, tw- three times. So anyway, <laughs> to a Michael, that- Michael Clemens is a year younger than JFM and like a quarter of the player. So and no. busy yelling at fans in Cleveland and and throwing up well, birds was was kind of funny though. Not gonna lie, it was hilarious. Oh, it was hilarious, but. Anyway, uh, just nevertheless, that was an unnecessary shot at, at our guy, Michael Clevin. So, the way that the Lake and Tomlinson restructure would work, he's a $12.6 million salary. You drop that down to the minimum, let's just say one and a half mil, keep it clean, keep it simple. You take that extra $12 million and you spread it over 2024 and then the three void years that already exist. Maybe you try to get him to add a fourth and, and reduce his salary, which I think is probably a conversation they have, but let's say that doesn't even happen. And so you cleared nine million because you're t- are, you're taking sorry let's say eleven excuse me let's try it again take twelve point six down to one point six so there's eleven million extra you divide that by four and three fourths of that amount you push out into the future so you know quick math off the top of my head it's instead of nine million I don't know, eight million let's just say you know so you clear eight million dollars there with a simple restructure of Lake and Tomlinson if I'm the Jets I'm saying hey we're turning the twelve point six million dollar salary into a $7 million salary, even that's probably fairly generous. It's a 32-year-old guard who has not played up to his contract the entire time. 
you want to chase this ring with Aaron Rodgers, yada, yada, yada. Uh, he probably has a good relationship with Salah, obviously came from San Fran, all these things. So, and then same thing, you chop it down, you still push push the rest out. Um, that's that, that's how it's done, and, and I expect that to happen in some capacity. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm on the same page. I think that one's kind of a fairly straightforward one for me, especially post-June 1 cutting him uh, just doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, I, I'm sorry, it doesn't. Like, you still have to replace him if you do that, so... Not on board with that. There's too uh, many questions on the O line to do that, yeah, right? Like no, we agree. No, There's just too many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I'm <laughs> trust me, I'm on the. Uh, I'm on the same page. Uh, last two things here. One, can you just walk through again? Sorry, with Zach, the ramifications of what happens. I feel like Zach's a huge post June one cut trade candidate. I mean, post June one designation uh, candidate. If I'm not mistaken, I feel like it affects a lot of the dead money if you post you and want him. I know they're going to try to trade him. They should. But if they can't, like I feel like you just post you and want him because like, I'm pretty sure if I'm not mistaken, it saves them quite a bit more money long term if they do that. Unfortunately, there's no years beyond 2024. Okay, so contract. either way, they're fucked. Yeah, correct. That's the, the simplest answer is, is either way... If you don't trade them, you have a dead cap hit of $11.1 million, $11.2 million, and you save nothing. Um, you know, you just pay the same cap number as you would if he was there. Trade, you know, the the salary and a roster bonus would travel, so basically chop that in half. But $5.5 million of the $11 million would go to this new team, so then you save a decent chunk. So the one thing is with the trade, it doesn't matter when it happens because we talked about the, the pre-June 1, post-June 1 is irrelevant with no future years on the deal. But I'll just throw this point in there because I get asked about it a lot. You can designate a post-June 1 cut. You can't designate a post-June 1 trade. You have to just wait till after June 1st and then execute the trade, and then you get the you know the relief. But anyway, for Wilson, I think you honestly just try to get a sixth-round pick and just beg someone to take him away from you and save $5.5 million. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page. Um I think you go to Arizona, you go to Indy, maybe you go to one of these teams that's going to need to replace a backup quarterback or has a mobile quarterback as a starter. And, you know, Arizona to me is like the perfect Zach Wilson spot. If you keep Kyler, no pressure, very not similar size, but kind of similar play style and size to a Kyler Murray, obviously not the same player. You like, you hope that, Hey, maybe he goes there, rehabilitates his image. Kyler's awesome next year. And Zach Wilson's maybe you're just your backup for two years or Indy. Richardson's back. Minshew commands two for 25 on the open market because someone says, look, he basically was the start of the entire year and we made the playoffs with him. Um, let's make him our bridge starter with a Jane Daniels as a backup. Or, I don't know. I'm just making things up here, but it's not a crazy scenario. And then Zach's like, oh, great offensive coach. Play indoors because we've seen he can't play the elements and all these different things. Like that's the that's the path off cap space, et cetera. Uh, last qu two quick ones here. One, um, You've mentioned a Lazard pay cut or restructure before. Um, is there any other of outside of him? Is there any other of the guys that Rodgers brought on the Dalvin cooks, the not Rodgers, the jets brought on that Rodgers suggested um, Dalvin cook, Billy Turner, Cobb, all those are one-year deals. Is there any money they're going to owe these guys in the future? I know um, that's a lot of people are worried about, you know, the long-term ramifications of those type of guys. Yeah, so let's see here. Um, no, it doesn't look like they pushed out any money for those guys. All one-year deals where they took the brunt of it in 
2023. You know, the guys that they had to do void years where you'll have cap hits in 2024, even though they're not there. Um, that's Michael Hardman. That's Dwayne Brown. That's Jordan Whitehead, Carl Lawson, and Quentin Jefferson. So, you know, I love your Freudian slip there, but none of those were, none of those guys were signed by Aaron Rodgers. Uh, they were signed by the New York Jets. Just like all the other guys you mentioned, they were also signed by the New York Jets. Uh, wink, wink. But yeah, no. So, so those guys are all gone. I mean, the team saved a bunch of money. Doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but about four hundred grand because Dalvin Cook agreed to vo- you know waive the rest of his guarantees to get off the team. Sixty-seven um, carries and fresh legs, baby. That was the one of the, yeah all time. Uh, there's nothing better than a good media media tweet. Um, you know, he's gonna he's really gonna help a contender, even though he was useless on a team that didn't have a good offense. But now he's gonna go you know, to a contender and, and just light things up. I mean, if someone will add him, it's just like, you know. Yeah, I saw Cow- Cowboys and Ravens practice squad is something Justine Anderson's uh, mentioned. Look, I I was I wanted Zeke Elliott over Dalvin. I was very adamant about that. Right, that age, fantastic. I also thought Dalvin yeah. would have a lot of juice early on in the year because I felt like fresh legs didn't have, you know, didn't have a camp. So that was kind of probably a mistake on my part. Brees was up to speed faster than people realized. Um Dalvin with the shoulder, it's healthy now, but it doesn't feel like he thinks it's healthy. Like the way he runs, I think he's probably like very much protecting that shoulder. You could tell with the way he, with, you know, approach, approaching contact. He just wasn't, they didn't use him well. He wasn't a fit with this offense. There's a lot of, the signing was unfortunate. Um, the narrative the Jets would have done other things with that money is a little hindsight 2020. Like, I don't know what they would, maybe they would have approached it the trade deadline differently, uh, but I don't think anything would have changed Late in late in July, early August with Dalvin, um, it did. It is just crazy. Like they paid him a bunch of money. It was all like per game money, and it kept him active a lot. Um, I just feel like that move could have been made probably the second they got eliminated uh, after after the Miami game. Like you could have saved like one point two million, and Dalvin could have latched on and maybe actually contributed somewhere. Um, last last question here. We we've talked about extensions and these different things. DJ Reed's one that. I feel like he's one of the harder conversations the Jets are going to have to have this offseason. You can either extend him now, which is the perfect time to do so, or you restructure him and wait till he's on an expiring deal next year and you can use the tag. You can do all these different things. There's also a world in which, like, you trade DJ Reed. There's a world in which you just let it play out and you extend him next offseason. There's just a restructure and call it a day. There's extending it, like... What do you do here? Because there's a very good argument for like all five. He's a really good player. He's very underrated. He's on a very team friendly deal. In my opinion, he's at a good age, but he's like two years away from being a big number entering an age 30 season. So I don't, I don't know what you do here. I think the market recently has helped where it's been tough for corners, you know, entering age 30 range because look, because of outcomes at the position, um, even you know, the last offseason, one of the sharper teams in the league, you know, and the Eagles bring back Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Slay has been fine. Bradbury has not really been all that good. Um, you know, and there's obviously variance to cornerback play. It's not just his age, but so, but at the same time though, like Bradbury basically got like, I think it's like two years, 22 is what he actually got. You know, I don't know what the report was in the media. Maybe it's more than that, but um, it's around there. Maybe two years, 20 or something like that is the actual money he's going to gonna earn um, if he even stays through through 2023 So or 2024. So, yeah, you could approach extension, but the whole concept of like, yeah, we're prolonging a contract. We're not giving you a raise over the old one. It might, might be underwhelming to you, but 
we're just kind of preparing for what we expect the play to look like down the line. There's other, other guys in similar situations too. Like does Jacksonville do the same with Darius Williams? Can you work off of that deal? Similar markets the first time. Reed's probably been better than Williams. Well, he was last year. This year, I think he's probably a case. Darius has been better this season. He's also like five foot eight, you know, 170 pounds soaking wet. So there's like all these various different things that go into it. But anyway, I think you, I think you do. Like you said, you have every option on the table for you there. It's interesting though. Their approach to the early extensions, you know, not doing anything with, with a uh, Bryce Huff. You know, we'll see with my with Michael Carter. Like it's it's been interesting how they've played some of them. I think for the most part, they've done a fairly good job. Um, like, you know, JFM, for example, I thought was, a, you know, a great early deal that has aged wonderfully. But, yeah, it, it, it probably honestly comes down to, like, what other moves do you make? Like, we're talking about Devontae Adams. If you get a Devontae Adams, it changes what you should do in theory with a DJ Reed, right? Like, it's all kind of fluid. But at the same time, I would say you're not forced to do anything, um, which is always good. There's nothing you have to do. There's things that you can want to do um, or try to do and, and see how it goes. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page. I just, I'd rather approach Michael Carter a year early and get that done than approach DJ Reed for an extension right now. I feel like it's an easy restructure. See how next year goes. Um, you know, I don't know. We'll see. But appreciate you hopping on as always, um, you know, Make sure you guys are following Brad. Obviously, we'll have him on during the offseason with some of these contracts and, and things kind of, uh, you know, happen and, and things like that. But um, I'll have a full preview of Jets Pats tomorrow. Appreciate everybody for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys later.